So I'm splitting this up into four and four. I Again, question mark. I don't remember if I did this before or what the actual numbers were, but because uh, this seasons start being shorter and not easily divisible into five. Um, anyway, uh, I'm, I am paused on the, the first scene of the next episode, which is the Christmas one where they tie Professor Cornwallis to a chair, which is just such a good episode. Um, but anyway, uh, I forgot how much I love this season. Like, I think season three, I'm on season four now. Yeah, season three, I think I do really, really love. But like, season four is so funny. Um, and it's so interesting to see all of these new scenarios. Like, because this does feel like a very... Um, separate season um or like like not a higher season uh, compared to season three but like this is again like dig just you know you can dig deeper and deeper into characters um but this one is just very much like every single episode um i don't remember <laughs> whatever text conversation i was having with sasha about her mom watching this show and asking if there was like whatever like the, the episodes with the shticks like that's not the words but whatever the phrases are like it's really just like every single episode has a thing happening um we we've stopped the premise of normal uh community college if there ever was one um and especially in this season um but anyway um episode six is the another one of uh, Abed's documentaries, uh, and it's the one about Changnesia. Um, and I forgot how much I loved this one. It also, it was shorter than I remembered it being. I thought that um, there's like this whole, I was picturing this whole investigation that Annie and Troy get into, but they really only do like one thing. Um, but anyway, I started this off with the note that Ken Jong is one of the funniest people on this planet because he really, he, he is so, like, I mean, uh, this was the first thing I'd ever seen him in um, years ago, but, like, it, in everything else he's in, he is so fucking funny, and he does have this, like, very particular brand of being funny, but um, it, he's just so good at it, <laughs> um, and this episode is, like, one that he's really, really, really good in. Um, there's also, uh, I could have sworn that there was some, uh, so Community started off on NBC, and then season six, uh, I think it, it got switched over to Yahoo. I'm not sure. First of all, what the fuck is Yahoo, like, TV? Like, ha was anything else ever on Yahoo TV? Never heard of it. Um, but... Uh, I, like, I could have sworn there was some other, like, sort of transition or change or something like that in there. Maybe it was changed to a different slot or whatever the deal was. Because, um, oh, no, 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 sorry. I'm thinking of, uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, which I believe switched, um, switched TV providers. Let me see. Uh, sorry, networks. That's what I mean, Brooklyn Nine-Nine Network. Uh... Uh, yes, okay, so Brooklyn Nine-Nine started off on Fox and then switched over to NBC, where they were allowed to bleep their curse words. And I guess maybe this was just a rule that NBC started later on. Maybe it was just that, like, community is not quite the show for bleeping out curse words. Like, that doesn't, like, I don't know, BB, or, um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine is not quite a mockumentary, but it has that same sort of style. So, like, it would feel more... Um, you know, in line of the, the sort of production of the show than with Community. Um, so whether whether or not they were allowed to, like, I think it is the, the right choice to kind of withhold that um, as much as I think it really, like, there are times when F-bombs should be dropped on this show. But um, this episode does include Jeff going, you gotta be fucking kidding me, um, and then bleeping it out, and it's so good. Um, and I just love the fact that, like, you know, the implication of, like, either... A, this is the only time he's ever found it worthy to curse, or B, like, they're just cursing like sailors all the time and we just don't happen to see it. Um, this whole episode is about this idea of a second chance. There's also some, like, vague, like, trans connections that you can make to sort of, like, Chang re-emerging as Kevin. Um, and, I mean, there's, like, a very distinct one that Shirley makes. There are, like, you know, uh, 
where Jeff is like, you know, don't you see anything wrong with this? And Shirley's like, yes, of course. Like, you know, if the good Lord made him Chang, then of course he's got to be Chang. Like, and this whole Kevin thing is just a phase. Um, uh, which of course is, you know, very directly paralleling that. Um, but as a, as a whole, it's really just this, this question of, you know, how many chances do you give somebody and where do you draw the line of like forgiving and forgetting and stuff like that. And Shirley has this good line about like how she does forgive, but she didn't forget. Um, and I don't know, it's just a very, it's a very interesting thought. I feel like I will talk more about that at the end because Jeff thinks about it more. Um, this is a, a, one of the first episodes that I've really noticed that the lighting is very different. Um, or it's starting to be different. We haven't, we have not reached, <laughs> we have not reached the blood boiling light, lighting of season six yet. Um, this sort of soft sunlight coming from the ceiling of, of the seas, of the, uh, the community college library. Um, but we have reached, um, uh, it's it's a lot cooler lighting, but it's still very like diffuse as opposed to the sort of harsh ceiling overhead lights that you'd expect. Um, and so we're, we're gradually shift we're gradually shifting. I can see this the slide starting to happen. Um, and then I kind of looked at some screenshots from earlier episodes, and I was like, oh, we've we have like slowly started to make this happen. Um, but to be fair, most of the episodes in this season, like a lot of them are shot elsewhere. Like, I was thinking about how many of them even, like, actively use the campus as a set, and it's it's quite few of them. Or, like, even if uh, the an episode does use the college as a set, uh, it's still often uh, mainly shot somewhere else or includes major bits and pieces of, of someplace else. Like, um, even the Sadie Hawkins dance one... Um, there, there's the whole like Pierce and uh, Pierce and Jeff scene where they're all off in a barber shop, um, so I guess the the lighting changes have been slightly less less noticeable. And also in this one in particular, it works. We're framing this as a documentary. That lighting works very well to to like add gravity to the situation, and it's really good. Uh, they just need to go back to the the janky overhead lighting, in my personal opinion. Um, I really love this Troy and Annie dynamic here. Um, the like Annie being like ooh like I'm gonna go like solve this mystery and Troy being like ooh like I want to jump in and like I want to goof off and be a partner and like I don't know it's very it's again it's very cute to see like these characters who maybe don't always have like a very distinct dynamic getting to see them like put into play because um, I feel like the last time we see like Troy and Annie like just Troy and Annie as opposed to Troy and Abed and Annie is like back when there was that whole episode about them getting to them potentially getting together. Um, so it's just fun. And like Troy has this nice little thumbs up to Abed. Um, and then immediately deciding to be like contra contrary because that's what uh, a part a par FBI partner should do is so fucking funny. Um, he, he does this thing where she's like, yeah, Larry, uh, Jeff is like, you know, like go ahead and solve this. And then he's like, we sure will. And he goes, no, we won't. And he has this most adorable grin straight to the camera. And it's so good. Uh, it's so good. Um, again, this, I feel like these few episodes, I was laughing. Like, I mean, I laugh a lot at this show, but there was just, uh, maybe I just have only watched these like twice. Maybe that's what it is. I feel like I'm getting into the episodes because, you know, we are, we are slowly approaching uh, the end of this season and the start of the next season, which is when Troy says goodbye. And I always kind of die off here whenever I rewatch this show because I don't want to see that again. <laughs> um, but, uh, Maybe this is why all of these jokes are like new to me still. Um, only the third rewatch as opposed to the like seventh or eighth. Um, and oh, uh, one of those pl places was I, uh, you know, there's this whole gag where Britta turns off the camera for Shirley's big confession or whatever. Uh, and she she says, I never told anyone that story. I was dead for three minutes. And it's just a throwaway line that's like, man, I really want to know Shirley more. Um, uh, I, w I will say this was not the greatest episode. Um, we get some not so great, uh, uh, actions on Jeff's part. Uh, very much quite literally just sexual assault of, uh, 
Ben Chang's wife, which is not very fun. Um, and a lot of racism played for laughs by Pierce. And again, it does the same thing that community community does so often, which is, uh, you know, we're supposed to be aghast at uh, Pierce's actions. We're not supposed to find them funny because they're racist. We're supposed to find them funny because, oh, look at that racist old man, like, thinking this is funny. Like, how, you know, how ridiculous is that, that he's doing this in such a... Um, a business situation, um, which has no place in media. You know, there's there's no reason to make those sorts of jokes. Um, again, I will say, like, yes, this was the late two thousands, and that it was around that time that those sorts of things, like, you know, that kind of joke was better than just blatant racism, but still not still not great. Um, just because it's a air quote product of its times doesn't mean that it was good. Um, what else? Oh, but yes. Yeah, so the this whole episode's idea theme was the second second chances, and um, Jeff does the whole thing where he's like Chang is lying. He's not actually amnesiac, um, and he tries to like defraud him. Um, and Chang comes to him at the end and is like, you know. You know, we can we can start over. Like, I'll I'll forget, and we'll we'll be new people. Um, and Jeff has this line about like, you know, I'm not saying I believe him, but, uh, you know, I I've been like where where Chang has been, um, and if I could get rid of that name and that association, I would too. So I guess I'll like let this happen. Um, and I do really love this as the conclusion. It's not a because we do, like, the, the end tag for this episode is the reveal that, like, Chang is faking it the whole time. Um, which is not that hard to, to predict. I, it would be so fucking funny if it wasn't fake. Like, that's just an iconic way of bringing back an old, an old character of, like, literally just wiping his mind. Um, uh, but, so it's not, like, really a... Um, an admission of like, oh yeah, he was right, and then we get this twist. It was a Jeff is like, no, he's still he's still lying, but like I'm not gonna push it. Like if he wants to lie, I'll let him lie, and you know, turn over a new leaf kind of thing, which is just a very sweet conclusion to that. Um, episode seven is uh, the sort of episode where they have uh, Troy and Shirley in the gym class, and then they've also got this like rich guy that they're trying to court to, to come to Greendale. Um, Jeff is being so mean to Pierce in this episode. Like, I get it because I, you know, if I had to interact with Pierce, you know, me personally and him as a person, I would not. I would just leave. Um, but also, like, in the context of, like, this guy has, like, been accepted as their friend vaguely. Like, he's just so rude to him. And, you know, that is pointed out in this episode. They do sort of have this these moments of connection, and they, they kind of, like, reform this bond, which is really sweet. Um, and especially, like, I don't know, because Pierce was set up at the start of the show. Um, like, episode two is the two of them getting paired up for... Um, uh, a project and you know Pierce trying to take on this sort of like vaguely fatherly role but also like friend role with with Jeff um and we finally see like the return of that here um in this very like father-son relationship and still very much just like a relatable relationship where Pierce was talking about how he had problems with his own father and stuff like that um and it's such a good return to that it would be great um I will say Pierce is fucking vile in the sort of like past the like these these episodes. Um I think I started the season and I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, Pierce is still like really like a really nice person. Like why are they like not you know, where does where does this turn happen where suddenly uh Chevy Chase can't stand this and everybody like hates him and he, he goes bad again. Um the sort of like interactions he has with the study group, really good at this point. The actual like words that come out of his mouth of like the racism, the misogyny, like really stepped up a notch and it's not necessary at all. Like the writing, like they didn't have to do that. Like they're not trying to push him, uh, especially in like this episode, for example, like they're not trying to push him off to be like 
a, a, a more hated character. They're trying to make him more likable and relatable to Jeff, and yet he's spewing, like, gross misogyny and racism, and it's, it's just terrible. Um, uh, I do really love Troy and Shirley in this gym class, though. Um, it's such a, it's such a good vibe. Um, it's so cute. Uh, again, we rarely get to see them together. And so this sort of fun little, little bit with them, um, it's really nice. I love, uh, Troy recognizing that he, he doesn't have to be the star of everything. Again, that's like, you know, one of his defining characteristics at the start of the show. And I think this episode in particular is very good about like kind of tying in these sort of overall character traits, character themes, um, where that, you know, as much as you grow, like, there's always still times when you act the way that you used to act, and, you know, Troy being, like, you know, so used to, to being good at things, especially when it comes to, like, sports, um, and then floundering when he is not good at things is just a very relatable experience, even if you, like, are very cognizant of the fact that you need to not assume that you're going to be good at things, um, They've just got some cute interactions. Um, and this is also the episode where they're, sh where they're showing the random guy around. Um, and Pop, Pop, Magnet, um, Magnitude losing his Pop, Pop catchphrase is the line in the sand which the Dean and Annie cannot cross about Greendale losing its identity. And I just fucking love that. Like, again, it's the kind of thing where, like, outside of the context of this show is just absolutely, like, confounding. There's no understanding this. But in the context of this show, it's genuinely like, ah, oh, I understand this. This is, this is like, heartbreaking. How dare you steal this pop-pop from Magnitude? Um, oh, and the last thing that I have to say about this episode is uh, the teachers teaching to teachers teaching to teach song um, slash montage is so good. Um, it has such, such Phineas and Ferb vibes. God, like, like that, like the song started playing and I'm like, am I in a Phineas and Ferb episode right now? Because that is exactly what they do is like, you know, every single, uh, they started off the show, uh, including music often, and then realized that like the music was a major draw of the show. Um, and then made a rule basically, um, you know, written into the, the story handbook or whatever, that uh, every single Phineas and Verb episode had to have a song of some sort. And so, you know, you do get, like, iconic hits, like, um, Gitchy Gitchy Goo and, like, uh, My Nemesis and all of the other Phineas and Verb songs that I can sit here and list um, because I've watched every single, like, top countdown of Phineas and Ferb songs that Disney Channel ever put out as a kid. Um, but I'm not going to sit here and do that. I'll do that another time. Um, but a lot of the times they don't really fit in the song and they, you know, they just kind of not shoehorn it in, but like use it as a montage sort of thing. Um, and it's very often just like describing things that are happening on screen very literally. And that's exactly what this is. And it's like a very well-written song and, um, most of the songs that are written specifically for this show, or even like ones that are mashed up, like the um, like Kiss from a Rose or uh, Somewhere Out There, stuff like that, it's all like written for the main characters to sing. Um, and this one very much is not. It's just like background characters uh, or background music, incidental music, not meant to be heard even, um, which is just so different from everything else that they do in this show that it was just so it was so funny. It was so jarring in a very very good way. Um, I am just, oh Jesus Christ, I'm just going to talk for so long about four episodes. I've been in such a community mood recently. Um, I'm sorry, that's not my fault. I mean, it is. Episode eight. Um, this is, okay, this is the episode in which there's two dances happening. Abed has to deal with two dates. Um, that's like pretty much the premise. Um... This, what I wrote down as the last bullet point for this episode, um, I said this, oh no, sorry, the second to last bullet point, I said, why was this episode not listed as one of my favorites before? Um, the answer, I guess, is apparently just because these episodes I've only seen like two times or three times as opposed to, um, as opposed to a billion. Um, but 
I just like, I, I, I'm obsessed with this episode now. I, I'm absolutely obsessed with this. I'm gonna talk about this for like a full 30 minutes on its own. Um, I'm gonna ignore Abed because I'll talk about him for ages as usual. Uh, Britta and Pierce bonding again, which is very fun. Um, again, two characters that you don't often see together, so it's really silly. It's very funny that Pierce is just like, yeah, you just gotta keep lying, Britta. Dig yourself into a deeper hole. Um, and that's, she realizes that she shouldn't have taken that advice, but he does, he does help her out in the end, which is, which is very sweet. Um, there's some really good, like, Troy hijinks, um, where, you know, he's, he's help he's being a good boyfriend and helping Britta with her dance, and, uh, she's like, we ran out of chips, and he's like, oh, I could sneak over to the other side, uh, pretend to be a, like, a snack inspector and steal their chips, um, and he like has his mustache prepared and all that. And I'm just like, God, Troy, I love you. You're so good. Um, there's also this like throwaway line about um, Britta having like done the better dance. And the Dean says, um, according to Dean Law, I must now give her my amulet. And Jeff is like, what? what the fuck? And it's again, it's just like this throwaway funny little joke that I like, wasn't expected and didn't remember like in comparison to like season one and two that I've watched so often that like I mean I've watched most of the the first half of this show in French as well at one point and like watching it in French and still knowing exactly like what all of the jokes are that are going to be made like versus watching some of these later episodes where I've only seen them a couple times and being like oh right I can still get surprised at times um, it, it also ends with a very sweet interaction between Jeff and Britta, um, where Jeff kind of apologizes for, like, ragging on Britta, um, and it's a very sweet text that he sends. I really do love the sort of, um, whenever they have Jeff narrate a text that he's sending to the group or to people, it's, I love that in this show. It's so sweet, um, because he is somebody who, as much as he, as much as he just, like, says shit, he never, he doesn't often say shit, um, and it's sweet to see him write shit and then send it to people. Um, this also could have been, like, the start of them getting back together, which, personally, I feel like, I, I think I've, I think I've said this before, I'm like, I do really love, like, Jeff gives off mad, aromantic vibes, but also, like, Jeff and Britta narratively make sense as, like, sort of endgame material, and I do really like the vibe of them sort of being together, but in a very societal, uh, unconventionally, fuck, societally unconventional way. Um, but, you know, that, that I don't think that happens, because I think Jeff starts to swing back towards getting together with Annie, which is always a problem. Anyway, <laughs> what we really came here to, to, to talk about um, is... This entire episode, um, just the Abed plotline, brings me so, 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 so much joy. Um, I just, so the first thing that, so, so what happens is Abed agrees to go on a date with Annie's candidate and also with Shirley's candidate and, um, you know, originally it was supposed to be he was going to choose between one of the the girls that they suggest and go on a date with them. Um, But then the opportunity arose that he could go on a date, to date thing and have fun with that sitcom trope. Um, And I, uh, uh, where, where was I going with this? I'm just like, I've been thinking so much about about this in particular recently, just like Abed leaning into sitcom tropes and stuff like that, um, because as everybody on my contacts list knows, I just got a really good like trench coat um, and cannot stop uh, thinking about all of the new opportunities this poses me. Um, and I had a very good good moment of um, what's the word, what's the word for it when you like. <sighs> Oh, projection. That is that is the word. I was like, I have this very good moment of self projection where I'm like, um, where I was vividly picturing like Abed, you know, in his in his very cool uh, getup, 
in some place and uh, Annie and Troy like hyping him up at the other end of the bar being like, oh, I wonder who that mysterious stranger is who just walked in. Oh, he for sure can't be some sort of uh, detective hunting paranormal things. Um, and anyway, I've just been thinking about this so much. And so I was so glad to see Abed get to lead in, lean into this trope in particular, because it's so fun. Um, the, the moment that I remember that this episode is the fucking best was um, Abed's face at the, the second that he realizes that he can like lean into this trope like Shirley's talking and uh we we've like kind of cut back and forth between uh Shirley talking and Abed talking and stuff like that and I just like I had to stop I had to replay it like six or seven times and I just um because it's like again Danny Pudi one of the best actors ever just in existence um like the smallest of expression changes and like how wide his eyes are and like the tiniest like quirk up of of like the side of his mouth into like a very genuine like smile like surprised kind of smile it's so so good and like watching the like the light bulb moment of this is is just it's a good start to the episode great um I was like, oh, right, this is the Brie Larson episode. Uh, I got so caught up in the Abed trope thing that I forgot that this is where he finds an actual connection with someone else, which is on brand. Um, But uh, I really, again, so very fun. Um, Abed leaning into this trope and having fun with it is just, it's just so fun to see him having fun. Um, But I really love Rachel like as a character I think she is a little bit like two-dimensional at the start because she's in one episode for like 15 minutes if that she doesn't even have that much screen time um so it's not like they can write her whole big nice uh existence as as uh, fleshed out as the other seven um so you know fair but she is such a good character. <laughs> she's such a good character. She's such a good, like, I don't know, just a very good person for Abed. Like, um, the whole point of this episode was, uh, you know, of course, like the trope that the, the right girl was like right under my nose the whole time. Um, but it really is saying something that like, I don't know, the, the writers like knew what was somebody that was like, good for Abed, which is, like, not the, I mean, of course, not the Christian, super Christian person that, that surely showed up, uh, brought up, but also, like, not this, like, quirky, weird person that Annie found, which, like, not anything wrong with being that kind of person, but, like, that is often the assumption of, like, oh, right, Abed isn't, air quotes, normal, so, of course, like, it, I, I gotta set him up with this girl who is uh, plays the saw in an all-girl kazoo band and who uh, rides around on a hot pink scooter all the time. Like, you know, that's... I feel like that is often... <laughs> I feel like that's just, like, a very, like, neurotypical date set up brain. Um which is, is, is silly because that's not true. And like the person that ends up being like the rightest for Abed in this case is uh, this girl who like gets what he's doing and is super excited about the same thing that he is um, and wants to lean into it just as much as he does, but like that he also just wants to hang out with as well. Um, it's just so like... Their relationship is so good. I, I don't remember her super well in, in season six. I, I'm pretty sure she's still really good then. I feel like, because I, I do remember them breaking up, and I feel like I was mostly happy with their breakup, but I, I don't know. I guess we'll find out in a couple of months when I inevitably get to there. Um, but, uh, and I don't know. She's just She's just good. Um, I really love uh, Abed goes up to Annie and Shirley and is like, like I fucked up, guys. Like, I, I think I actually did find a girl that I really like. And they're like, you know, are you serious? And he's like, yeah, I'm really sad. And like, 
I don't know, again, Danny Pudi's line delivery is so good, especially on that one. Um, and they're both like, you know, like, you know, go, go get her. Like, what are you, what are you doing? Um, and uh, I am, obs- again, I just wrote, I'm obsessed with Abed because th- we know that. Um, but uh, I mean, he and Rachel have this conversation earlier about like, you know, movie tropes and TV tropes and stuff like that. Um, and one of the things that they talk about is the sort of the thing of like the, the main character going after the girl and like doing this big public declaration of love. Um, and excuse me. And Abed is like, that's very unrealistic. It's, uh, embarrassing and, um, or it's very unrealistic and embarrassing or whatever. And Rachel's like, I don't know. It's like, it's kind of nice. Um, but Abed, like Abed does say something about how, um, you know, like it's like personal, like personal, like a personal conversation. Like they shouldn't like, you know, shouldn't have that, um, you know, out, out loud, like that's, it doesn't feel right or whatever. Again, I'm I'm like paraphrasing here. Um, but when he does, when he does his, his, uh, good trope of public declaration, he does it in a way that is just so like him also that I, that I just personally vibe with very much, but like where he, he's like, you know, like I met a girl who I, you know, had a very pleasant conversation with. Um, and now, uh, her name is Rachel. Uh, and now I'd very much like to continue this conversation in private. Like, like, I don't know, like, even when it is leaning into this, this trope of, like, public declaration of love, etc., it's still very much, like, it's still very much him, and it's still very much, like, the, the realism with which that they tackle some of these tropes is just very good. Like, that is the, that is exactly the thing that Abed would do, and that is exactly the thing that, like, I personally think you should do if you want to make these, like, big public declarations of love, um, or just of intent, I guess, in this case, and I don't know, it was so good. I feel like she doesn't show up again, if I remember correctly, I don't think she shows up again until season six, which is kind of unfortunate. I really wish, um, See, I do understand that community kind of has to go by, like, TV show rules when it comes to guest characters. I don't think Brie Larson was, like, insanely famous at this point, but she was still, like, a well-known actress. Um, But um, I wish she had, like, a little bit more of a through line and doesn't just crop up randomly sort of uh, once Troy's gone. Um, Anyway really love this episode. I didn't talk about it for 30 minutes. I'm proud of myself for that. Um, I just was sitting here like shaking throughout the entire thing being like, this is so, this is so good. This is so good. I, <laughs> I really want to like stop recording and then go watch that episode again, <laughs> like three more times and then go to bed. Um, that's what I think I'm going to do. Um, but before I do that, I have to talk about episode nine where I wrote, Ah, yes, um, this is the puppet therapy episode. Um, I love that I can say shit like that about this show and it'd be true. Um, this, this episode has (laughs) a really fucking good cold open. Uh, the way that this, this works is, uh, you know, we open on the study room. Everybody's looking vaguely uncomfortable. We have this, like, you know, nice panning shot. We, like, cut to each of their faces. Uh, nobody's saying a word. Britta starts drumming her fingers on the table. Abed, like, stops her hands. Um, nobody says anything. And then cue the theme song. And it is so... It's so good. Because, you know, cold opens are meant for, like, quippy little one-liners and uh, ridiculous... Uh, antics so that way somebody will stay to watch the show after the theme song like that's the whole point of them um and and yet this one is just like the most awkward silence ever and it does such a good job at setting the tone of the episode um it does such a good job of just like standing out compared to previous cold opens and like showing like where the the differences are in this it's just i don't know i love it um 
I love the way that the the opening song that they again because this is a musical episode of course it is I love it um the opening song of like them going onto a hot air balloon like I love the storytelling in it I love how everything happens their whole cooperative dumbassery with like getting this hot air balloon off the ground without their guide is so fucking funny um it has Chang as a puppet with a, a puppet on his hand which is really good um Troy, again, another one of these throwaway lines that just made me crack up. Um, has anyone else noticed Professor Duncan hasn't been around for a long time? Um, it's, like, you know, I talk a lot about how meta this show is and how fun that is to play with in a space, um, especially like, uh, or uh, in a space with a character like Abed, who is very meant to be, or very interested in TV show and therefore like... M- sort of this gateway into like meta-ness um and i don't know it's, it's just it's fun whenever it crops up i think earlier not in this episode i think episode eight their cold open is something along the lines of like pierce is watching um the new american version of inspector space time or whatever and abed um abed has this line about like oh yeah like you know this it's a travesty um, and their comedic timing is so, and then in walks the Dean and he like does his whole thing or whatever. I just love shit like that. I love it. I love it. I love it. Um, anyway, uh, what else is good in this episode? There's another song where like Pierce has, has this line that was, uh, I was going to say that now I don't have a rhyme and it doesn't fit the rhyme scheme. Love that kind of shit in songs too. Um, I really love the, the sort of puppet medium uh, in this episode, just because I think that that's a fun medium to play with, um, and in particular, though, uh, I think it's so fucking hilarious, like, I wish I could, uh, implant into your brain, like, a gif of the exact moment that I'm thinking about, um, but it's when they are all taking these berries, these drug berries, uh, and we see Abed first, I think, his, his Muppet face, uh, and the sort of, like, blur effect that they have on, like, showing that he is now high is goddamn hilarious. Um, I, I think it's mostly just because his character design is, like, very reminiscent of, of Bert, um, and, like, that sort of Muppet, um, he's got, like, the, the head that is, like, the most Muppet-shaped, um, and his nose, um, especially when viewed from straight on, is very much like the typical teardrop uh, sort of Muppet uh, felt felt puppet vibes. Um, and so to see him like kind of wiggling his head back and forth as this motion blur and like a red filter starts to come on is so good. Um, uh, there's another throwaway line here about Annie and Britta together. Um, that I didn't even notice until like this time. Um, again, I'm I have strong arguments for many of these characters being queer. Um, the incidental music is also just like fucking gorgeous in this episode too, and it you know part of it is to sort of tie into these these songs that crop up that are very um, very orchestral. I think that if I remember correctly, they've got like a lot of strings behind them um, in particular. And uh, the sort of incidental music is very much uh, that kind of vibe of like these, these long string chords and sort of like muted lower uh, no- held out notes. Um, and it's very different from the typical backing music, which is usually only like the, the Green Deal is where I belong, the doo-doo, doo-doo, doo-doo. Um, that's like very plucked guitar, that's very like vocal. Um, and even the other incidental music, I feel like it's just like not as um, dense as this episode. And it's just so, uh, it's very good for the specific tension that is happening uh, when all of them are like uncomfortable with each other, which is very good. Um, this episode features Jeff Winger coming in with the emotional know-how to, to realize how to fix a situation and uh, emotional intelligence to to decide that Shirley needs help and that he's gonna give it to her as opposed to like being aloof and 
different and whatever, which is always a treat. Um, the, the Most Terrible Secret song is also very good. Uh, it's also, it is very interesting to me, the disparity between all of their secrets. Um, so what are they? So Shirley's is she accidentally left her kids at the supermarket um, and started tailing her somebody that she thought was her husband like all the way out of town before realizing that she like had left her her kids at the supermarket um which is like a big fucking deal like everybody's like surely like we don't think less of you like it's okay like yes you know that's a mistake like it wasn't on purpose and you know in the context of some of the other shit that goes down in the show again not that big a deal like here's the thing where you have to kind of like figure out um community is a show where you need to suspend your disbelief at different heights <laughs> throughout viewing um because sometimes it's like very emotionally charged and relevant and like you know you're meant to take things seriously uh, especially like the emotions of the characters um, at other times, you just have to, like, take it for granted that, like, yes, some random uh, brain institution is going to give them a $40,000 grant to figure out how Changnesia works. Um, and so it's kind of hard to tell, like, is this a scenario where we're supposed to, like, you know, think it isn't too far off that, like, people just get left at, you know, the supermarket? Or is this the kind of thing where, like, I don't know, we... We compare it to, like, Abed getting locked in lockers the entirety of his, uh, of his childhood and feeling like uh, a burden and, like, nobody's ever going to come for him. Um, I don't know. Like, it's hard to tell. Um, personally, I would look at that as, as more serious and think about the fact that, man, Shirley's divorce really fucked her up. And she, you know, along with everybody, <laughs> along with everybody else in this fucking show, really should get some get some help or real therapy. That's not the dean coming in in a Pinocchio costume <laughs> and handing her a felt puppet that he's already made of her. Um, uh, but yeah, so like hers is really serious. Um, Jeff's is also like another very serious issue. Um, I guess his is more like of an emotional thing and not like a Jesus Christ, like, how could you do that kind of thing? Um, his is that he found this woman that he really liked and, but like she had a kid and he promised the kid he would be there for a baseball game and then he just like dipped, um, which like feels like something that's vaguely, like it feels vaguely like relatable to a viewer or more so than, um, than Shirley leaving her children. Um, and so it's at least like at a level where we can, you know, take this seriously, but we also don't have to be like, Shirley, what the fuck? Um, Annie is, is another one where it's like, again, this is like vaguely like in line with her character. Um, she admits to like letting Cornwallis rub her feet or whatever to give her the answers to a test. Um, where, like, yes, again, very in line with sort of who Annie is. She is a very, like, honest, integral person, but when pushed and realized that, like, you know, she might fall short of her very, very high expectations of herself, she will resort to stuff like that, uh, to underhanded methods. Um, but, like, this is, like, uncomfortable sexual coercion and, like, you know, not you know, like, this is, like, a serious topic, like, and it, all of these things never come up again, um, because, of course, that's how this, this show works, uh, is sometimes, sometimes we deal with people's emotional trauma repeatedly and in such a way that is, like, treated as a treasure and it is so fun to pick apart and deal with and, and look at as a viewer, and sometimes we just drop these, these bombs that just never, never, we never see again. That's okay. Um, where is it going with this? Uh, but like, okay, so those three. And then compare this to Troy, who's like, yeah, I accidentally set a fire that burnt down 50, like, acres. Um, which, again, while serious, 
is more of like a comedic thing. It's more of like a, okay, this was not intentional. This was like a kid. Because it was uh, Greendale Fire of 03. The show starts in 2009. Um, so that's six years before the show. So that he would have been in middle school. Um, so like, yeah. I don't know. It's the kind of thing where you're like, I mean, that's a terrible thing to have happened. But you know this is a silly show where chang almost blew everybody up with uh fireworks okay um and then we have like britta who says that she's never voted except for on the voice which is like i mean you get that from britta's whole vibe of like uh performative activism like you know that's not a surprise to us at all um and then pierce's is like he he didn't actually sleep with eartha kit they just dry humped um of course um, so there is, like, this very distinct difference between, like, three of these secrets are, like, really, you know, actively concerning, or either actively concerning or, like, very emotionally loaded. Um, and then three of them are just kind of, you know, there. And it makes me, like, like, it's good because we do need that sort of, like, juxtaposition of serious things and, uh, you know, comedic effects, and that's how comedies work. But also, it makes me a little sad that they couldn't give all of these characters, like, an actual good secret. Um, I mean, like, <laughs> I wouldn't say that Shirley's is good in any sort of sense, but, like, I don't know, like, at least the three of the three that I started talking about are, are, like, juicy, like, get into, like, who these characters are as, as people, um, like, Shirley's whole thing is, like, she, uh, feels jealousy and, like, competition so strongly, um, and she also, like, feels so, like, tied to her motherhood often and, like, defines her worth by her motherhood. And so to see this sort of, like, failure of hers, um, especially, like, in the context of her jealousy is, like, really, like, I don't know, just very telling about her character. And, I mean, I said a whole lot about Annie's thing earlier about how she's so driven that, like, uh, when she thinks she's going to fall short of her own expectations she pushes herself outside of her normal morality to to go achieve whatever she thinks she deserves um and again we we just have more jeff winger and his daddy issues and commitment issues um but then like i don't know like troy and britta and pierce are like all complex characters with complex emotions and it's sad that they kind of get these like throwaway like these throwaway things. I mean, I guess you can argue that Pierce's is about how he is very much, um, a lot of what he does is like bragging and sort of like puffing himself up and making himself seem cooler to other people. Uh, and this is sort of like an admission of that fact that like he is not nearly uh, the, the person that he makes himself out to be and that sort of, that sort of thing. Um, but it's again it's played more for laughs than it is for like a serious thing um anyway that was a really long ramble about that um this is also very relevant to uh the the person that i haven't talked about which was abed um so abed in this episode he says that he um didn't have a secret um, and he just, like, noticed everybody else was, like, shifty eyes and was, like, oh, guess that's the vibe we're going with, um, which, again, I really like that kind of thing, um, it's, it's, like, a good, it's a good sort of, like, interesting little last bit, um, it also is just very reminiscent of the Halloween episode in which they like all take bad tests and like one of them is air quotes normal and the rest of them are murder like stock. Um, and I don't know. I think that there is, there is really good, fun, um, like i think i think it's fun to point out all of the times that abed is slightly different from everybody else in like ways like that where it's oh yes he's 
he's more used to, to fitting into societal norms than you guys, um, or like that, like that kind of thing. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, I really wanted a juicy op-ed secret too. Like, cause again, you know, in a very similar way to Troy and Britta and Pierce, like op-ed is a very, op-ed is a very fucking complex character. Um, to be fair, a lot of his issues, he does just talk about when people ask, like, you know, it's not, (laughs) it's not like he's actively keeping them secret. It's just like, he tells about them when they're relevant to things. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, man, you know, like he deserves to have that same sort of, of, um, emotional probing at the same times as other characters because I think what usually ends up happening is like he gets left out of these sort of emotional conversations um when everybody else is sharing um but then at some other time he has something that's like all about him pretty much um which again like very nice very fun I love episodes that are all about Abed's emotional issues uh as we as we know um but I don't know. It just, I just, I think that the, this is such a, like, I mean, I would love, I, ooh, I really, I need to get my hands on a portable DVD player so that I can finally justify the purchase of the box set of this show so that I can listen to the directors and actors commentary on this show. And I shouldn't do that until I've already finished like this rewatch of it. Because if I do, I will get distracted. I will go back to the beginning um, and I will watch the show 80 billion times with that. But anyway, where I was going, <laughs> it's so late. Where I was going with this was that I would love to have been in the writer's room when they were deciding what all of these secrets were going to be. Because I would love to hear what some of the proposed different ones were. Um, like, some of them I, I, I can imagine, like, Pierce's, they're like, oh, yes, like, of course it's got to be this thing. Like, this would be so funny. Um, but I don't know. Like, I, I would love to, to, to hear some of these potential thoughts to, to, to sort of see, I don't know, to see what things people hide from from their their really close friends, to see what things that they are, like, very deeply ashamed of, too, because it's not even just, like, secrets that they haven't shared. I guess, like, most secrets, you keep secret because you're ashamed of it. Never mind. Stop listening to the words that are coming out of my mouth. Um, they're not making sense anymore. Anyway, good episode. Fun, emotional thing. Um, yeah. (laughs) I've stopped making sense. I'm I talked about that episode for 30 minutes. Okay, that was kind of unexpected. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye. <laughs>